You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When I was getting ready for this interview today in the gym and pumping that iron, getting all ready to be in the zone, to go head-to-head with Boomer on game time... Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is two-time NBA champion, Emmy Award-winning television broadcaster and deadhead, Bill Walton. Presented by GEICO. Today's guest is a one-of-a-kind basketball legend and broadcaster and grateful deadhead, if you don't know, who Throw had it down, this. Boomer. Throw it down yeah. time. Let's go. A personal winning streak that lasted over 140 games from high school to oh, the middle of the senior more. UCLA. That's right. When the Bruins' record 88-game winning streak came to an end, he's won two NBA titles with Portland and Boston despite persistent horrific injuries that drastically limited his playing time. Many pundits and fans have wondered aloud, healthy, could he have become one of the greatest all-around big men in NBA history? Bill Walton, welcome to Game Time. And by the way, I'm wearing this shirt just in honor of you and Jerry Garcia for this interview. That's a beautiful shirt. In honor of Jerry, I'm wearing my own skin. I've lost my mind. I've lost my face. I'm searching for it feverishly, and hopefully I'm going to find it during this show here. Boomer, you mentioned some of the accomplishments. Never measure yourself by what you have done, but rather by what you could have or should have been able to do. I had a chance. But my dreams were derailed because of the constant injuries. I've had 38 orthopedic operations. I missed more than nine and a half full years of my NBA career. But I was super lucky, Boomer, to be on some of the greatest teams ever with remarkable coaches. Six of my coaches are in the Hall of Fame. Many more would be if my legs had carried me to where I wanted to go. And I had just spectacular teammates. (laughs) Guys who could catch. Like, no matter how great you were, Boomer, if the guys couldn't catch the ball, they had no chance. Well, I'll tell you, how is COVID-19 treating you, Bill? What's been going on in your life specifically over the last couple of months? Well, it's destroyed everything in the world. But what it forces us to do is that it forces us to treat this as an opportunity, an opportunity where we have to find a new path forward, and we have to learn how to make different, better, and then we have to come to this point here where we are just going for it all and do what's never been done before. So other than that, everything's fine. (laughs) Other than that, I want to take you back to your high school years quickly before we get into the NBA, your college years, and all of that other good stuff that you already touched on. But you had the keys to the gym at Helix High School. Is that true? How did you get the keys to the gym? I asked the custodian. And he Milo, just gave them to you, no problem. Milo was the custodian, and I needed to play more ball. And so uh, 
I had a perfect childhood. Both my parents worked. My dad was a social worker, an adult educator, and a music teacher on the weekends. My mom was our town's librarian. We lived paycheck to paycheck, but we had everything. The schools were great. The parks were great. The beach was great. You know, everything, everything was fantastic. And, and even though my parents had zero interest in athletics, they were the greatest parents ever because they were so positive and they were so encouraging. They were so nurturing. And they were so compassionate, not only to little Billy with his red hair and his freckles and his big nose and his goofy, nerdy looking face and his horrendous speech impediment, but they were compassionate to everybody. In his Hall of Fame induction speech, Bill Walton said the concept of team has always been the most intriguing aspect of basketball to me. So it would seem that he and John Wooden would have no disagreements with each other in their three years together at UCLA. But we all know differently that you were not the easiest guy to coach for Coach Wooden. As a matter of fact, I think I heard a story about you being told to get your hair cut and then you rebelling and then him saying to you, saying, oh, that's fine. You want to keep your hair? That's fine. We'll see you later. Don't worry about coming back. How true is that? Boomer, I was Coach Wooden's easiest recruit. I wanted to go to UCLA so badly. We grew up in a house without a television set. We had the radio. We had the L.A. Times. One of my neighbor buddies, he got a television set. And so I got to see UCLA play. And the first uh, championship game uh, played out here on the West Coast in, in 1965 when Gail Goodrich went for 42 points. My dream, little Billy, was to go to UCLA. And, and I was John Wooden's easiest recruit. But I became his worst nightmare. And I drove the poor guy to an early grave at 99 because I always wanted to know why why I had to cut my hair, why I had to shave, why I had to wear the clothes he wanted me to wear, why Nixon was president, why we were in Vietnam, and why the cheerleaders couldn't be in my hotel room on the road trips. <laughs> this was his look. He yes. would sit there because he was an English teacher by profession. That's what he right. really loved, who happened to be a basketball coach. Uh, but baseball was his true love. But he was a better basketball player, and he turned out to be a, just a brilliant coach. And he, he could have he taught anything. He, he wouldn't have even need to know the subject and he could have taught it because he knew how to teach and he knew how to learn. He had to come and bail you out of jail. Yeah, he, he, what he was, was very like? and what was that? And what was that for? I, I had been arrested at a peace rally. We believe in peace and we believe in love. And we were members of the Summer of Love and we were members of the rallies for peace, much the way the rallies are going on right now. People want peace in their lives, and they do not want to be killed. And I stand with Black Lives Matter. I adhor police brutality, and I adhor violence, and I adhor racism, and all those evils. I just want no part of that, and we have to fight. We have to protest. We have to demonstrate to eliminate that stuff from our lives. And I was at one of these peace rallies because we wanted peace. And what was going on with Nixon and over in Southeast Asia was unacceptable. And so when I got arrested, Coach Wooden had to come and, and, and bring me back to campus from the jailhouse. And so and that, what the, that what was a, was there, it was a long and arduous a, a car ride. When, you know, when I was 18 years old, you did not want to be alone in the car with the coach. Coming <laughs> I was going to say, what, what were the words of wisdom that he uh, passed on to you that day? Oh, he was mad as can be. There were not words of wisdom. This was anger. This was, uh, this was uh, instructional uh, direction from and guidance from the coach about what to do. And I, and I finally said, Hey, look, you know, you can say what you want coach, but those are my friends and those are my buddies and those are my peers. And those are my classmates who are coming home from Southeast Asia in body bags and wheelchairs. And so we're not just going to sit here and say, this is all fine. No, man, we're going to do whatever we can to stop this. 
And so he finally said, well, Bill, I don't agree with this war either. But instead of getting arrested at these peace rallies, what you should do is write letters. And I looked at him and I said, that's ridiculous. I hear a lot of like people that say, hey, athletes shouldn't be sticking their necks out, shouldn't be getting involved in politics. But you were like one of the first, you Muhammad Ali guys got out there and basically put your entire careers on the line. When you're growing up, and even to this day, it's who your heroes are. And I always, I'm always looking for heroes. And when I was eight, nine years old, the heroes that I found and chose were Bill Russell in basketball, Muhammad Ali in all of sports, and then Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and then all the musicians who I've come to know and love and be friends with all, over all these years. You know, Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, John Fogarty, Jimmy Cliff, Jackson Brown, the Eagles, the Rolling Stones, John Lennon, all these people. It's an endless list, Bruce Springsteen. And, and the value and the power of sport to drive change, to bring people together, and to break down the barriers. John Wood never spoke to his players about winning and losing. However, Bill Walton remembered the Bruins' loss to Notre Dame that ended their 88-game winning streak as a disgrace and their loss to NC State in the 1974 NCAA semifinals as, quote, a failure that has plagued me, a stigma on my soul. Only words that Bill Walton could utter. Bill, do you still feel that strongly about those two losses? Yes, because everything that John Wooden said to us, you know, the pyramid, the seven-point creed, the two sets of threes, the endless <laughs> maxims, the tools to overcome adversity, all this stuff that he taught us, which we thought was ridiculous. We were 17, 18, 19 years old and just going through life full speed, and it could not have been better. And then I broke my spine on January 7th, wow. 1974. Not that I remember the date. And everything <laughs> changed. Now, I, I have been plagued by injuries forever. I was born with birth defects in my feet. I tore up my knee when I was 14, playing against some really old guys. They were in their 30s. I was having a big day. They took me down. And then I broke my spine, and it just kind of all went downhill. And it was very difficult to get it going. But Coach Wooden would always talk to us about how things work out in life that determine who you are, what you are, by how you respond to the adversity and to the failures. But we didn't have adversity and failures when we were young. We were just going to the top. And my life and career has been defined by these meteoric climbs to the top, Boomer. And then all of a sudden, immediately followed by a catastrophic collapse, health crisis. And so Coach Wooden, he was just always giving us these, these things to learn by and listen to. And he would say to us, Guys, all I ask is your best. Your best will be good enough. Whatever it is, don't beat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Don't shortchange yourself because that's the worst kind of defeat you'll ever suffer and you'll never get over it. We said, come on, coach. What are you talking about beating yourself? Well, we did beat ourselves. We were the better team. Yes, I was hurt. Yes, we had chemistry problems. Yes, there was issues between Coach Wooden and Greg Lee on the team. And But there we still should have been able to get through. We were that much better than the other guys. Then you come back and maybe you go 21 of 22, 44 points, 13 rebounds, two assists, a block shot in the championship game against Memphis State. And this is classic John Wooden. He says to you, you know, Bill, I think I thought you were a pretty good player until you missed that shot. But he was always pushing you. He was always, I think, just trying to push you to, to, to make you aware that he was watching every move that you were making. 
He said that to me in the locker room after the championship game. He yeah. said that to me every time that I was starting to go on another epic run to the top. One of his methods uh, for teaching was to never let you get close to the goal because he, he would set the standard, the standard of excellence, yeah. the standard of perfection. And then we would do everything possible to get him to acknowledge that we were doing something right. You know, we set and all the records that we set still stand to this day. We started there 50 years ago. They're still standing. <laughs> and, and the closest boomer we ever got to him acknowledging that we were doing something right was a twinkle in his eye or maybe one side of his lip curled up in a, in, a, in a faint smile. But as soon as we executed something perfectly, he'd say, okay, that's fine. Now do it again, but do it faster. Do it faster. Never, it faster. never, ever, ever satisfied the true mark of a great coach. Just a few injury-filled years after signing a lucrative contract with the bad Portland team, a healthy Bill Walton was the NBA's MVP. He led his trailblazers to one league title and almost to another before he was injured yet again. Yet he said it was so spectacular at UCLA that when I joined the NBA, the quality of my life went down. And Bill, I have to ask you, just talking to you today and listening to the energy that you bring to this interview, are you a happy guy? Are you happy with the way that your life has gone? I'm not satisfied. All I ever wanted in life, Boomer, was more. Mm -hmm. But I have learned over the course of incredible success matched with devastating catastrophe for me personally that happiness is the result of four different things. Number one, your health. Number two, your family, your team, your group, your community. Number three, the ability to have a safe sanctuary, a home, where you can come and regroup and refresh and start over again. And all of that combines to lead to the hope and dream that tomorrow is going to be better. Now, today, I'm a happy guy. My health is as good as it's been since I was 13 years old. Lori, my wife, and I... <laughs> I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I never thought that I would be healthy. I never thought that I'd be out of pain. And I never thought that I would be happy in love. And I am madly in love with my wife, Lori. I, I wanted to ask you, I know you followed Kareem at UCLA. Right. And then you wanted to go play against him. So what right. was it I, like I, playing against Kareem? Well, Kareem was the standard and, and still is the standard. I, I, I can't say that there's been a better player uh, since, since Kareem. And the, the, the guy was just phenomenal. He made college basketball what it is. He's the reason why I wanted to go to UCLA. Then I get to play against Kareem. And Kareem, he was by far, without question, the greatest player I ever played against. Now, Bill Russell's my favorite, but it, I never played against Bill. I never played against Wilt. I never played against Oscar. I never played against Elgin. But I played against most of the other guys. I, I, I didn't play against the current guys. And this guy, LeBron James, is just fantastic. And he's like the combination of everybody. And, but Kareem, you had to be at your best every moment. <laughs> there was never a game, never <laughs> a game that he played in that he wasn't the absolute focus of, of the entire other team. And, and, 
and I played my best against him. And he still threw 50 in my face every day. And, and, and more importantly, what a human being and what he's doing right now in terms of uh, the, the writing and the movies and the books and the productions and the speeches and everything. It's just a, it's a, a fantastic example of what it means to be an engaged citizen. Now, let me ask you this. You yeah. played quickly with uh, Larry Bird. I know that he recruited oh. you to Boston. And you called, is it true that you called Robert Parrish before you said that you would come to Boston just to check on how he would take you coming there? The Celtics were my boyhood dream team. I fell in love with the Celtics listening to Chick Hearn call the Laker games. And then I got to see him on TV and I said, whoa, that's what I want. And then I finally got there at the end. The Celtics had a championship team and I wanted to be a part of that. And so I called up the chief and then when I, when I got to Boston, I had ML Carr pick me up at the airport and, and he picked me up at baggage claim. And I said, ML, take me straight to chief's house. And so we drove from Logan Airport and we drove over to Chief's house and we, we sat in his house in his patio on his basketball court and we just talked it out. And I said, Robert, I am here to help you. You know, I, that's my job. And I'm not coming here to take your job. <laughs> I want to be with you. I want to be your teammate. More importantly, Robert, I want to be your friend. We had played against each other in the early days of our career. Yeah. And, he, and he was just spectacular as a player, fantastic mm -hmm. as a human being. And we spent a ton of time together. And I would sit next to him in the locker room all the time. And I love the Chief. In 2017, Bill Walton published an autobiography, Back from the Dead, that begins in the darkest place imaginable. And, uh, you know, Bill, I'm going to let you tell your story and where you were when, when this was uh, basically the darkest time in your, your life, I guess. So I lived my life in constant and chronic pain. It was always joint and bone pain. It wasn't until February 24th, 2008, not that I remember the date, that my spine basically collapsed and failed me and I could no longer move. And the bone and joint pain went to nerve pain. And the nerve pain can only be described as being submerged into a vat of scalding acid that has an electrifying current running through it, and you can never get out. And my life was not worth living. I was going to kill myself because there was no hope. There was no future. There was no light on the horizon. Ultimately, I, I tried everything to get better, and I lost everything over a four-and-a-half-year period, including my dignity, my self-respect, my self-esteem, everything. And... But fortunately, Lori stayed the whole time, and, and, and I had surgery on February 9th, 2009, not that I remember the date. And so he, he, here I was uh, in this situation where my life was basically over. But I had this surgery, a pioneering surgery. I was one of the first guys at the beginning with all the different technology and everything, and, and it worked. It worked fantastic. I mean, my spine is incredible in terms of how great it feels. And I've had to work, I work at it all the time. And so then when I started to come back and I started going back into the world of media and uh, people kept bugging me, Bill, you got to tell this story. You got to tell this story. And I did. And I, and I wrote this book, uh, Back from the Dead, Simon and Schuster, Jonathan Karp, and all the guys. And it was just a, a, a wild ride there. And it became a New York Times bestseller from day one. And I'm very proud of it. But uh, mostly the, the experiences and the response, the responses that I get from the people who have read it. And, and they come to me and they say, oh, whoa, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, but that's just the way you know it's going. And, but today I'm I'm eleven I'm eleven and a half years post surgery now, and I, and I'm going full speed. 
And I, I've never been busier. I've never been happier. And I haven't been this healthy since I was 13. I could say based on this interview, you are definitely winning at life right now. Quick question. Real quick question. I need a quick answer from you. Who do you I'm consider? I'm the wrong guy then. Oh, come on. Who do you consider more of a mentor, John Wooden or Jerry Garcia? I don't live in a qualitative binary decision-making world. <laughs> I have six, we have six children and 14 grandchildren. I love them all. I love Jerry. I love Coach Wooden. I just wish they were still here. I still think about them. I still talk to them. I read about them. I still learn from them to this very day. Our thanks to Bill Walton for joining us today. And for all of you out there watching, I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with Beach Volleyball, Olympic hopefuls, Kerry Walsh Jennings, and Brooke Sweat.